0: Let us pray. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts, let them be acceptable in thy sight. Lord, you're our strength and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. There's a word from the Lord in the Gospel of John, John chapter 19. John chapter 19, and I'm gonna read verse 30. Listen to what that 30th verse of the Gospel of John chapter 19 says. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Amen. It is finished. Here in the Gospel of John chapter 19, Jesus is dying on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. All we like sheep have gone astray. And our sin has separated us from God. And so Jesus came, died on the cross to pay the penalty for the sins you and I committed. And when Jesus died on the cross, there were seven sayings that he spoke. While he was on the cross, seven sayings. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. I thirst. Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Today, you will be with me in paradise. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then, of course, this is one that the scholars say more than likely was the last saying of Jesus. It is finished. And this is the assignment that Jesus had. This is the primary purpose for Jesus coming to this earth. He came from heaven to earth, and he did that primarily to die on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. That's what it's about. He gave his life. So that we might, matter of fact, Jesus was born to die. God wrapped himself up in humanity, born of a virgin, and he was born to die. And in his dying, now you and I get to live. That's his primary purpose. That's his assignment. That was his mission. Well, Jesus did a lot of other things. He healed the sick. He raised the dead, gave sight to the blind. He fed multitudes. Jesus did a lot of things. All of that was secondary. Primarily, his purpose was to go and die on Calvary's cross. A matter of fact, uh, Jesus still does a lot of things today. He'll heal you. He'll deliver you. Uh, he'll give you a house and a car. He'll help you pay your rent. He'll give you a man, a woman. He'll do all those things. He'll help you with your career. Uh, but all of that is secondary. Uh, primarily, he came to die on the cross for us. Jesus didn't come all the way from heaven to earth to give you an upgrade uh, on your SUV or to give you a new house. No, he came that you might have life and have life more abundant. And Jesus, uh, from the time he came on this earth, it was all about getting the Calvary to die on the cross. Even when he was 12 years old in the temple, asking questions and talking to the leaders of the ministry, uh, Jesus told his parents, i must be about my father's business that business was getting to calvary to die on the cross and when jesus uh, fasted and prayed 40 days and 40 nights he was on his way to calvary to die on the cross even when he got baptized by his cousin john the baptist in the jordan river and the heavens opened and the spirit descended and sat on jesus uh, like a dove and then god spoke and said this is my beloved son in whom i'm well pleased Jesus was on his way to Calvary to die on the cross. That's his primary purpose. And I also need to add that when Jesus came to the earth, from the time he got here, the enemy, the devil was trying to keep Jesus from getting to the cross so he couldn't pay the penalty for our sin. From the time Jesus got here, when Herod killed all those little boys in Bethlehem two years and under trying to get to Jesus, that was Satan's way trying to keep Jesus from getting to the cross. And even when Jesus fed that multitude with two fish and five biscuits, right after that in John 7, they tried to make Jesus a king. Now, how are you gonna make him what he already is? He's Lord of lords, he's king of kings. But that was the devil trying to give Jesus an easy way out. you don't have to get to Calvary, we'll make you a king right here. It was him trying to keep Jesus from dying on the cross and in those the, that when Jesus finished fasting those 40 days that's when Satan tempted him three times turn stone into bread jump from the pinnacle of the temple bow down and worship me because if Jesus if Satan could have gotten Jesus to give in to any one of those temptations then Jesus couldn't have died for the sins of the world he would have had to die for his own sin that was nothing but the devil trying to keep Jesus from getting to Calvary's cross and Jesus told his 12 disciples On one occasion, he said, I got to be delivered into the hands of man and crucified. Peter said, that'll never happen. It will happen over my dead body. We're not going to let that happen. I'll go to jail for you. I'll die for you. And here was Jesus' response to Peter. Get behind me, Satan. Because Jesus knew that Satan will even use your friends to try to keep you from living out your purpose on this planet. That was Satan trying to keep Jesus from the cross. And then even when Jesus died on the cross. He's got nails in his hands and spikes in his feet. Even then, the thief next to him on the cross said, you're supposed to be the Christ. Save yourself and then save us too. Get yourself off the cross. Come on down and then get us down as well. That was nothing but the devil trying to keep Jesus from dying on the cross, but I praise God he would not come down from the cross just to save himself, but he decided to die and Jesus went on to Calvary and he did die and right before he gave up the spirit right before he took that last breath Jesus said it is finished and that it is finished gives us a sense of the faithfulness of God that Jesus knew that's my assignment. That's what I came here to do. Uh, that's my purpose, and I'm not leaving till I get it done because he's faithful. It is finished. It gives us a sense of the faithfulness of God. Y'all don't care what you're going through. You can rely on God. You can depend on God. You can lean on God. You can trust in God because our God is faithful. All throughout the Bible, it talks about the faithfulness of God. In 1 Corinthians 1 and 9, it says, God is faithful. In 1 Thessalonians 5 and 21, it says, faithful is he that called you. In 1 Thessalonians 3 and 3, it said, the Lord is faithful who has and will establish you. In Hebrews 2 and 17, it says, he's a faithful high priest. In Hebrews 10 and 23, it says, faithful is he that promised in First John 1 and 9, it says, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us. In Revelation 19 and 11, it said, and I saw heaven open and behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him was called faithful and true. Your God is a faithful God. No matter how difficult life is, no matter how hard it gets, you can depend on him because what we learn on Calvary's hill as Jesus is dying, when he says it is finished, it gives us a sense of the faithfulness of God. Yeah, because you know, Calvary didn't sneak up on God. It wasn't like uh, something jumped off and God didn't know what was going to happen. It surprised God and God had to come up with some last ditch effort to try to figure out what to do when they were trying to crucify Jesus. no. the the crucifixion was prophesied it's a part of the matter of fact it's what I call the providence of God providence pro that's the prefix pro it is um before providence the dense is associated with like video to see Uh, so before the dense providence to see that means that God sees before and providence is in the same word family as provision Here's what God does, that God has the ability to see anything before it happens and then provide the provisions that are necessary for us to be able to deal with it. That's what Calvary was all about. It did not sneak up on God. It was prophesied that this would happen. Let me show you exactly what I mean. In John chapter 19, verse 23, verse 23 says, then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts to each soldier part and also the tunic. Now the tunic was with, without seam, woven from the top in one piece. They said, therefore, among themselves, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it. Who shall it be that the scripture might be fulfilled, which said they divided my garments among them and for my clothing they cast lots. Y'all, in Psalm 22 and 18, it was prophesied thousands of years prior to this that they would gamble for the garments of the Messiah. And now we see the fulfillment of it here in John chapter 19, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. Because our God is so faithful that he'll make a promise, then he'll perform it. This didn't sneak up on him. In verse 28, it says, after this, Jesus knowing that all things were now accomplished that the scripture might be fulfilled said I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there and they filled a sponge with sour wine put it on hyssop and put it to his mouth. Y'all it had already been prophesied in scripture in Psalm 69 and 21 that the Messiah would drink of this sour wine this vinegar he would drink of, and now it is performed it's fulfilled here when Jesus is on Calvary's hill because God prophesies and performs it, God promises it, and all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Then he promises, then he performs it. Let me give you one more in verse 36. For these things were done that the scripture shall, should be fulfilled, not one of his bones shall be broken. In Psalm 34 and 20, It was prophesied thousands of years before this that the Messiah, his bones would not be broken. And the fulfillment of it came in John chapter 19 with Jesus down on the cross. Uh, Let me explain it a little further. Uh, When the Roman soldiers would crucify somebody, uh, they would crucify them, nail them to the cross. But then when they weren't dying fast enough from the perspective of the Roman soldier, then they would go and break the legs of the ones who were being crucified to hasten to death, to rush them into death. So they broke the legs of the thieves that were on either side on the cross with Jesus. But when they got to Jesus to break his bones, his legs, Jesus had already died. So his legs were not broken. Y'all, that didn't by happenstance happen. It was prophesied. <laughs> Because uh, God makes prophecies, then he performs it. God makes promises and then he performs it. Y'all, whatever's going on in your life, no matter how difficult it is, keep on trusting in God. He's going to do everything he said. Jesus, matter of fact, he prophesied his crucifixion. I gotta, he told his disciples, I got to be delivered into the hands of evil men and crucified. And then he was crucified. And he also prophesied his resurrection. The third day, I'll rise again. And three days later, God did raise Jesus from the dead. And he's also prophesied he's coming back again. The second coming of Christ, where he's going to rapture out his church. And I'm just convinced, since he was right about them gambling for his garments, since he was right about the drinking of the vinegar, since he was right about not breaking his bones, since he was right that he was going to be crucified, since he was right he was going to be raised from the dead, I just got to believe he's right that he's coming back again. He prophesies it, he promises it, then he performs it. I believe the reason why so many of us don't have resurrection victories is because we give up on Friday. On Friday, that's when they nailed his hands, Friday. That's when they gamble for his garments. Friday, that's when they spit on him. Friday, that's, that's when they put that fake crown of thorns on his brow to tease him about being the king of the Jews. Friday is when they put a spear in his side. Friday is when he died, but early Sunday morning, yes, God raised Jesus from the dead. Resurrection victory. And the reason so many of us don't have a resurrection victory because we give up on Friday. Matter of fact, what you're going through right now may just be your Friday. Sickness, disease, death of a loved one, loss of a job, taking a cut in pay, going through hardships and difficulties, this may just be your Friday. But if you could just hang on in there to Sunday morning, (laughs) I serve a God that will give you resurrection victory. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is now living in you you got to learn how to wait on the Lord. There's a benefit, there's a blessing in waiting. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Mount up with wings like eagles and run and not be weary. Walk and not faint. Wait on God. God will show up and give you the blessing you need. I'll never forget that phone call. Dr. James Anthony Jackson called me one day and he was telling me about a story he had read about uh, this husband and wife, this very old couple. They've been married for more than 50 years. And then the wife got sick, and when she got sick, she, she went right into a coma, and when she slipped into that coma, it was so much on the old husband that he called for his pastor. They were Christians, and he asked his pastor if you would come in, to the hospital and pray with my wife. She's sick. She's in a coma. pastor shows up, prays with the husband. They agree and touch and agree with God that God will show up and do something, and then she stayed in that coma, A significant period of time passed. He was still in the coma and the old man couldn't take it anymore. It was too much on him. And unfortunately, he gave up and he committed suicide. And then one week after he committed suicide, his wife came out of the coma. And I remember telling Dr. James Anthony Jackson, you mean to tell me if he had just trusted God for seven more days, You mean to tell me if he could have just waited on God one more week, things would have been different. Y'all, I don't care what you're going through. All the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus. You got to learn how to wait on God. You can't hurry, God. No, you just have to wait. You got to trust and give him time no matter how long it takes. He's a God that you can't hurry. He'll be there. Don't you worry. He may not come when you want him, but he'll be there right on time. He's an on-time God. Yes, he is. Jesus said, it is finished. It speaks of the the faithfulness of God, but it also, it's a statement of finality. It is finished. This is a statement of finality. It's, It's finished. It's accomplished. It's done. My primary purpose was to come and pay the penalty for sin, and to help people to get right with God. And Jesus said, I've done that. It's already done. It's finished. Uh, years ago, I started, well, I, well here's what happened. I, I got diagnosed with high blood pressure. So I started doing a lot of running and running marathons. I started cooking for myself. It's hard to eat right when you eat out in the U.S. There's so much salt and sodium and grease and fat and sugar that's put in food. I started cooking my own food. And so I go to the grocery store and so I read the back of packages to make sure there's no sodium, no saltiness. And I notice when I'm reading the back of packages, the, the marketing with the packages in stores. And sometimes the marketing in the packages in stores will say things like, already done, heat and eat. I've gotten in the habit of cooking my own food. I like to prepare it, I like to put it together. I like to cook it and wait on it and I, I, I enjoy cooking. But there are some things in the store uh, that say you don't have to cook it. On the wrapping, the marketing says you can buy some chicken and it's all wrapped in packets. and said, already done. Heat and eat. What they're saying is when you get home, you don't need any preparation. You don't need any setup. You don't need any cooking. You don't need to add anything. It's already done. Y'all, when it comes to salvation and our sins being forgiven and us getting in a right relationship with God, that's what Jesus is saying. It's finished. It's, It's final. It's already done. You don't have to prepare. You don't have to add anything. You don't have to mix anything. You don't have to bring anything. It's already done. But here's our issue. We keep trying to add something to Jesus saying it's finished. Now, how are we going to come behind Jesus and add something to him saying it's finished? And we're not the first ones to do that. Uh, the Apostle Paul had an issue with those uh, believers in Ephesus. He wrote a letter to them. And when he wrote that letter to the, to the Christians in Ephesus, he told them in Ephesians chapter 2, he said, listen, by grace are you saved, through faith It's not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest other folk will start boasting about it. So he gives us, in Ephesians 2, he gives us the equation for salvation. Grace plus faith equals salvation. The grace of God plus our faith equals salvation. Well, the problem the Apostle Paul had and the problem we got today, we keep trying to add something on to that, thinking we need to add something to get saved. So we say grace plus faith, plus water baptism or grace plus faith plus joining the church or grace plus faith plus speaking in tongues or grace plus faith plus the Lord's Supper, grace plus faith plus giving, grace plus faith plus holy living. We keep trying to add something to grace and faith and you don't have to do that. Jesus said it's finished, it's already done. It's God's grace and our faith. Yo, we don't get baptized To get saved. We get baptized because we are saved. We don't unite with a church to get saved. We unite with a church because we are saved. We don't operate in the gifts of the Spirit to get saved. We operate in the gifts of the Spirit because we are saved. We don't take the Lord's Supper to get saved. We take the Lord's Supper because we are saved. We don't give generously to the things of God to get saved. We give generously because we are saved. And we don't try to live holy so that we might get saved. We try to live holy because we are saved. Jesus said, I've already died on the cross. I've already shed my blood. I've already done everything that is necessary for you to be saved. It's already done. It's finished. And don't try to add anything to that. I love Dr. E. B. Hill. He's in glory now, but Dr. E. B. Hill had such a great imagination. I loved his sanctified imagination. And he was he was dealing with Jesus dying on the cross. And when E.V. Hill was talking about Jesus dying on the cross, he said as Jesus died on the cross, that he, he lifted his hand to grab the holy hand of God. And then he reached down to grab the sinful hand of humanity because sin had separated divinity from humanity. And so Jesus reaches up to grab the holy hand of God and he reaches down to grab the sinful hand of humanity to pull that together. And he said, it must have been a terrible strain. Dr. Hill said, because Jesus at the time had nails in his hand and spikes in his feet. It had to be a terrible strain, but he did it anyway. He reaches up and grabs the holy hand of God and he reaches down and grabs the sinful hand of humanity and he pulls it together and says, it is finished. There's nothing that you and I can add to the finality of Jesus saying, when it comes to salvation and what it takes, to get right with God, it is finished. Uh, The writer of the book of Hebrews, he had to deal with that too. And in in Hebrews chapter 10, uh, he says in in verse 12, he said that that Jesus went into the heavenly holy of holies. And he went in and he made one sacrifice of his blood for sin. And he did it for all and forever. And then in Hebrews 10 and 12, it says, and then he sat down. Boy, that's when Jesus made the sacrifice in the heavenly holy holies, shed his blood, then he sat down. That is so significant because you know, when he was writing the letter, the, the, the book of Hebrews, that the ones he was writing to, the Hebrew people, they had that, tradition of Judaism, and they knew that the high priest would go in the temple beyond that veil into the Holy of Holies and every day, uh, every year on the Day of Atonement, shed that animal's blood for forgiveness of sin, and then the people would sin, then they cut, the high priest would come back next year beyond the veil into the Holy of Holies, shed that animal's blood for forgiveness of sin, then the people would sin again next year on the Day of Atonement, he'd come back, and he kept on doing that year in and year out. And in the Holy of Holies, there was no chair for the high priest to sit in. And the reason there was no chair for the high priest to sit in, because a chair would signify that your work is finished, your work is complete, your work is done, and now you sit down. But the high priest's work was never done. People kept sinning, he kept coming back, making a sacrifice. They sinned, kept coming back, making a sacrifice. His work was never done. That's why there was no chair for him to sit in, because his work was never done. But when Jesus went into the heavenly holy of holies and he sacrificed his own blood for our sins, the writer of the book of Hebrews says, then he sat down. You know why he sat down? Because it's done. Yes. It's over. It's complete. It's finished. It is a statement of finality. Jesus down on the cross for our sins. Said it is finished. Let me give you one more that it is finished gives us the source of power for the future we can walk into the future that god has designed for us because of the work jesus did on calvary jesus paid the penalty for our past sins it's finished so now we get to walk into our future i love that so many people they they can't live properly in the present and they have issues walking to their destiny in the future because they're still tripping off of their sins in the past. Jesus took care of that. He paid that penalty. He said it is finished. It gives us a sense of power now to walk into the future that God has designed for us. I already know your question. If it's finished, what are you talking about, a future? It's done. It's over. No, you, he said it is finished. He did not say I am finished. Don't confuse. I am finished with it is finished. There's a big difference between I am finished and it is finished. And, and and here's the thing that when Jesus was dying on the cross, when Jesus spoke those seven last sayings, that there were people that were around the cross, they mistook with some of the things he was saying, they misunderstood him. When Jesus said, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani," one of the gospel writers said, that they thought that Jesus was calling for Elijah. And they said, let's see if the prophet Elijah is going to come and help him. He wasn't calling for the prophet Elijah. He was saying, Eli, Eli, lama which means my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And so when Jesus says, it is finished, I don't think it's much of a stretch to believe that someone may have misunderstood him. And thought he said, I am finished. I'm sure his enemies would have loved to have heard Jesus say, I am finished. Sadducees, Pharisees, chief priests, Pilate, I'm sure they were somewhere smiling and grinning when they thought Jesus said, I am finished. We finally got rid of this troublemaker, making trouble in the system of our economy, making trouble in our religious system, making trouble in our social system. We finally got rid of him. He said, I am finished. No, he didn't say I am finished. He said, it is finished that the penalty for sin has been paid. There's a way to get right with God. That's taken care of. It is finished. He didn't say finished because Jesus is not finished. (laughs) Jesus wasn't finished. Three days later, he was raised from the dead. Not I am finished. He wasn't finished. Forty days after that, he ascended to the right hand of the Father. Jesus is not finished. Even now, he makes intercessions for you and I. He is not finished. He'll save your soul. He'll lift your burdens. He'll give you another chance, help you to pay your bills. He'll take care of your family. He'll keep your heart and mind in perfect peace. He's not finished. He's coming back again. He's not, he didn't say, I'm finished. He said, it is finished. He's not finished. He's still moving. He's still working. That's why we have the source of power we need to move on to whatever our future is going to be i don't know what your future holds i don't know if things gonna turn around in a week a month a year i don't know but i know whatever the future holds we're gonna be all right because jesus ain't finished (laughs) Uh, jesus is still working and still moving and 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 because he's still alive whatever we face i can deal with god sent his son And they called him Jesus. He came to love and heal and forgive. He bled and died just to buy my pardon. And an empty grave is there to prove my Savior. And because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. I'm just telling you, when you know that Jesus is still moving, still alive, then you know you got whatever you need to handle your future. Not I am finished, it is finished. And it is finished. Penalty for sin has been paid. It is finished. Now you have a, a right to the tree of life. It is finished. There is the ability now for you to get right with God through the sacrifice Jesus made. It is finished. There's no longer a gap between divinity and humanity. It is finished. There's a highway from earth to glory with no stop signs or detours along the way. It is finished. Everything you and I need to deal with life, Jesus provided it when he died on the cross and shed his blood. Let me close it like this. It was a couple of years ago. I ran into something I never should have run into and I hit my leg so bad. And it wasn't that bad at first, but a couple of hours later, it was so much pain in my leg. And then uh, an hour or so after that, I couldn't even walk. I had run into something I had no business running into, something in my past I ran into. And it it brought so much pain and suffering in my life. I couldn't even walk the way God designed for me to walk. So I hopped to the hospital and when I hopped in there, the doctor took some x-rays and checked me out, looked me over, and then the doctor came back in and he said to me, Mr. Johnson, your issue is whatever you ran into, it, it caused you to break a blood vessel in your leg. And he said i'm gonna write this prescription for you so if if the pain becomes unbearable just get this prescription filled and take some of these painkillers and then he said i know you can't walk so we we have some crutches here at the hospital but they sell the same crutches down the street you can get them for a lot less it's up to you though he tried to save me a little money so he wrote my prescription for the painkiller told me where to get my crutches then the doctor walked out the door i'm waiting for him to come back in and fix my brokenness. I'm still in pain. I still can't walk right. He didn't do anything to fix my brokenness. He never came back. The nurse came in and the nurse said, just sign right here and then see the ladies before you walk out. I said, wait a minute. I said, ma'am, the doctor didn't fix my brokenness. He gave me painkillers and told me where to go get crutches, but I'm still broken. (laughs) I still can't walk right. And she said, Mr. Johnson, you broke a blood vessel. And when that blood continues to flow in your body, then your body would automatically heal itself. Watch what she told me. She said, I know you're broken. I know you can't walk right. But everything you need to fix your brokenness is in the flow of the blood. The doctor doesn't need to do anything else. He doesn't need to bring, everything you need is already in the flow of the blood that will fix your brokenness. That's my word to you today.